This week, we discuss what it's like to live on the surface of the sun. Jared critiques my ability to grow tomatoes. And I explain why YouTube self-help videos are full of shit. I'm Jared Nichols. I'm Paul Tulin. And this is the best pandemic ever. Paul, here we are, another amazing day in North Carolina. And uh, both you and I, as far as we know, are COVID-free, correct? No, I 100% know that because uh, we had a little bit of a, we had a little bit of a uh, COVID scare with Benjamin earlier in the week. He had a little 101 degree temperature, and so we're like, huh? Uh, and he was kind of he was a little lethargic. So we're like, well, might as well get him tested, you know? But he was he was fine. Um, and the next day, he had nothing. I mean, totally asymptomatic. Almost 12 hours later, and the test came back negative. Um, yeah. So, you know, we we. I think that's a sound basis to assume that everybody in the house is negative because if he was positive, we would all be positive, and if us were positive, he'd be positive. Um, I don't know, man. Because, yeah. The data changes yeah, every day. <laughs> it does, but I mean, we are in close proximity, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, look, I don't know how anything can survive COVID, chlamydia, uh, you know, scabies, uh, uh, cancer. Oh, no. I don't know anything can survive in this heat. In North Carolina heat, like it is right now, if you've not experienced it, you know, you live out in Arizona, you know, where it's hot and there's no humidity, or Colorado, where you go up into the mountains, man, save mm-hmm. all that shit for somebody who cares. Come out to North Carolina in the middle of July, and you will experience life on the sun. It is brutal, man. I mean, as, lo- it's, as long it's as rough. you're north, north of Charlotte, because so I, I, it is true. It is a swampy, nasty mess, but man, it has got nothing nothing on columbus georgia that is an <laughs> yeah, armpit yeah. a sweaty nasty armpit of a place you, we, you know you, i just it is so unbelievable this time of year it's awful so the, like, the thing about breathe. columbus georgia right too and i don't know if it was like this when you guys were down there i don't know if you remember because your wife's family was just down, down there, there right? last week yeah yeah, yeah. oh fantastic week, yeah. oh so it was that wonderful was i wish you could have been there yeah, it's vacation yeah. that's a vacation destination for you <laughs> i am i am smartly going north for our vacation we're going up to rhode island which we're looking into all that, which apparently is, you know, I, I want to have an interesting conversation about the donut shop there. Don't let me forget. Write that down. Okay. Donut shop. Donut so, shop. yeah, in Rhode Island. So, um, uh, so the thing about Columbus, Georgia, that I remember because I was there for, I was there for airborne school, I was there for infantry officer basic school, and I was there for ranger school. So I had a fair amount of time. I mean, back yeah. then it seemed like a fair amount of time. Now it seems like a, you know, a blink of the eye. How, but, how, many, how long was that? Is that six months? Or is, it, uh, is Ranger School just six months, or is no, that? Oh uh, no, no, Ranger School is ninety days. Not, no, okay. sixty days, sixty days, sixty days, like sixty-two days, something like that. Um, okay. And then for for anyone who's like, oh, sixty-two days, that doesn't sound bad. Sixty-two days. Oh, I went please. in there at like a hundred and, I think I went in there at like a hundred and seventy-five pounds. I think I came out of there at like hundred and thirty-five pounds. It's insane. Jeez. Yeah, it's rough. So like the, my wife will see the pictures from my like, Ranger School graduation. She's like, these are really upsetting. You know what I mean? Because I'm <laughs> upset. So but I remember in the summertime in Georgia, the one thing that would get carried on the humid air is the smell of the paper or wood production. Oh, no, and, that's not what it is. I know what it is. But go ahead. Well, then yeah. it's just the swamp. I mean, then it's just the, the river. It's something. But it's that no. weird like smell that cut, but it's it's exaggerated in the heat. What is it? You see, you Man, think you okay, know. Okay, so yeah. So every time we go down to Columbus, 
So one thing I will give Columbus is they've done a really good job of updating their river walk and their trail systems and all that type of stuff. And I like to ride yep. my bike out, get out on the road bike and, and head out to Fort Benning. So one of the nice things because, you know, is that they've got this, um, uh, this trail from Harris County up in the north side of where Columbus, you know, so you're technically outside of Columbus, but Harris County's up there. So my mother-in-law lives close to one of the trailheads. And, you know, I mean, road riding, you usually want to be on the road, but this is a nice big wide open trail. It's kind of, it's a nice way to get out to Benning because it runs all the way through downtown, all the way out to Benning. And then you're in where it's it dumps all, you out. It's is all it, paved? All paved. Oh, yeah, okay. all paved. And it runs you all the way out to Benning. It, it takes you into the backside past the airfield. Mm-hmm. And so the, where the river runs and all the way into the backside of the airfield, there's the two golf courses that are out there, which I used to work at both of those when I was 15, when we were stationed out there. That was great, man. Yeah, <laughs> those are some characters. That's another story. But so I always ride out there because you can just get as much time in as you want to at Benning. And, you know, I just enjoy going out there. So when you go out there, once you get onto post, well, right outside of post, it's still, you know, from the river walk, uh, you were going past the waste recycling so it's all the water. So it's the water treatment plant that's right there. It is the most awful smell. It's just where all your shit and piss goes and everything. And it's, you know, conveniently next to the river. Like, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. <laughs> sure, so, it's fine. But that smell, you can smell that coming depending on the way the wind is blowing. And it carries. And it's that, it does smell like a paper mill, but it's the waste treatment facility. You have to ride right by it. And so on a hot day, if you're already breathing heavy, you're just sucking that stuff in. You're like, oh. Well, you don't, I mean, you don't realize this being over in the cosmopolitan, you know, metropolis of Charlotte, Charlotte, you know what I mean? Where all culture and civilization in the state resides, you know, you don't, and the few times, yeah, the few (laughs) times that you've actually, you know, that you've actually lowered yourself to come over to Fayetteville in the, you know, in the, uh, the backwater around Fort Bragg, but you know, so so you've got a little bit of elevation. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you've got a little bit of elevation over there in Charlotte, right? And we have none. Like, sand hills are flat. There's nothing. And when it's this yeah. hot, it almost smells like I don't know how well. I don't know. How, it's almost like like something's burning. Like you can like smell the slow burn of the pine tars. I can't. It's so hard to describe. No, you have to no. experience. But it's like yeah. it's like it's on the air. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's 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 rough. I mean, I am sure. God, I, I mean, I can't imagine the circumstances where the Cumberland County Chamber of Commerce would actually ever hear words coming out of our mouth. But if they did, they'd be like, hey, man, give me a break. We're trying to get a couple of tourists to this place. What are you doing? You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, like we're trashing the possibility that anybody would even come close to this place. Like you got, like, you know, the Airborne and Special Operations Museum. You got the Woodpeckers now on a league baseball team. They're really trying to do a lot to bring in tourists. But, man, I tell you, right. ah, that's a hard that's- sell. Yeah, that's a hard yeah. sell. That's yeah. a tough one. Man. So we're headed, yeah, yeah, we're headed north. So we're going to uh, Rhode that's Island, good. where uh, you know, reportedly, you know, COVID um, COVID mitigation measures are much more uh, stringent. Interesting observation by our friend um, Stu Ferris, who was spent the week out at uh, Southport, which is out on the coast of North Carolina, um, and he made an observation. He was out there where it was. Uh, you know, it's relatively blue collar working class folks. And he said the the um, the tension there was quite low. Uh, you know, you get that kind of palpable. You can feel it when you go out. You can yeah. sense the level of anxiety amongst the people. And to some degree, it's reflected in the number of people that are wearing masks. But, of course, that's become much more ex- 
I don't want to say acceptable, but people have come around to the notion that, well, it's better than doing nothing. So that's even gotten a little more gotten a little more purchase among the general population. Um, yeah. But he said the tension there is is noticeably different. And then when he went to Southern Pines, which is a little bit more affluent, you know, little um, a little more. Uh, I don't know what are some of the other characteristics of a place like Southern Pines. We'll just call it a little more affluent kind of. Oh, it's got one of the world's like most famous golf courses right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so um, you have a. He said the tension yeah. level there was way higher. Like they were in a restaurant, yeah. and you know they insisted on them keeping their masks on at all times, except when they were eating. They 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 took his wife's temperature like three times because she was a little warm when they came in. So I mean, I don't know what that means. We never have you and I never have any good science. We are there's never any good scientific data coming Weird. out of this program. Ever, it's all anecdotal. Don't, yeah, don't for trust the most anything. Part. But I mean, anecdotally, <laughs> what does that suggest? Do you, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's like I, I think there's a relatively simple explanation. It's got to be, hey, look, I, I don't have time to really worry worry about this quite as much. I got to get through my day to day in in a places you know a place like Southport, which people would argue Southport is kind of an affluent place too, but it's more working class than people think. And then in yeah. Southern Pines, they got you know they got. You know, for lack of a better way to put it, they got they're worried about first world problems. You know, um, so I don't know. I don't know what that suggests. If it suggests anything, um, uh, I mean, I, I just think it's the normal thing that happens when your life has been disrupted. And in America, we like things to go back to normal very fast, and they have not. We talked about this long before we ever started recording this show. But back, jeez, uh, back in February, March, probably March when we first started, started talking. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, people are, you know, we're going to start even when they started opening up into phase two. And this was later than March. But I mean, we knew, you know, just like, well, if you just listen to the scientists, like we're going to go right back in to, you know, we're going to go into lockdown again. And it's like, oh, I don't know if this can, you know, other people are thinking we'll start getting back to normal. Kids will go back to school. And sure enough, everything we had talked about early on, this is happening. Not because we're, we're incredible geniuses and not because I'm a futurist. I mean, this is kind of the obvious thing. It's like, look, if you're trying to mitigate the spread of a virus, you have to actually mitigate the spread of the virus by having uh, continuity across the board, which is almost impossible in the U.S. And then the other thing is, is realizing it's a virus. So until you have a vaccine or some way of containing this in an effective manner, opening up again even slowly, you're just going to spike the numbers again. And so that's just basic you know understanding. You know what's funny now about now, um, California about went into lockdown again. What's that? Hold on, Paul. I lost you there. Are you still there? So is that we have an abundance of flu vaccinations in the Army. Like we get them every year, but it's required to get them. And man, it is like pulling teeth to get people to take their flu vaccine. It is oh, yeah. unbelievable. It's like one of those things that like we have to work on and work on and work on to get like 80% compliance of people actually taking their vaccine. Right. So, yeah. Um, anyway, so. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's something you said I think is important to, to, to bring this back around. You're talking about Stu and the situation in the restaurant. We see that up here as well. Number one, the problem is because this whole mask wearing thing has just become a political discussion, which is really stupid. It's a testament to the idiocy of leadership at every level that we're, that we're witnessing right now. But the other part of it, too, is, uh, is really around what this, this show is about today, this episode, and that is around who is essential. Because if we start to think about going out to a restaurant and all the inconveniences we have to face for going out to the restaurant, we have to really step back and say, you don't have to go out to a fucking restaurant. You just don't. So you can, and not saying, not saying that this is like, Stu is upset with it. This has nothing to do with Stu. This is 
I get it because people are talking about, oh, I hate that I have to wear a mask in a restaurant and then all this other kind of stuff. That's to me, that is, that's, that's really uncomfortable and I just won't go to a restaurant. So it comes down to this bigger question that you posed that was the inspiration for this episode, and that is who is essential? We talk about what is essential all the time, but let's talk about who is essential and how we can uh, examine that for ourselves, because I think it'll help a lot of people to put it into perspective, not just in the midst of what we're going through now, but long after this is done, you know, remembering, well, who is essential and how do we frame up the things that we have uh, right at our fingertips? So, yeah. Well, what are the ways what I would ask people are what are the ways that we demonstrate who is essential? Like how do we actually demonstrate in a real measurable way? What is the metric that we use to demonstrate who is essential? And I would argue it's how we value and incentivize people, right? So, you know, you know, a week ago, not a week ago, but three months ago, um, you know, we were paying the grocery worker a minimum wage and the the people who were in the investment industry were making ungodly amounts of money. And if I asked you, okay, today, who would you rather pay and incentivize, the guy who's you know managing your whole life insurance or the person who's making sure the grocery store is open, I would venture to say that most people would say, I could give a shit about the insurance guy. Please keep the grocery store open. Okay, so... I know that's what I would say. I mean, so well, so then yeah. what do we so so then so then what is the metric that we use to demonstrate who is essential? Because right now I think it's what we pay people. Well, you know, I think that's exactly right. There is a uh, it's definitely a lopsided incentive system, incentive uh, model that we have in our country. Um, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this many times before. We don't have to dive into it because again, it'll be kind of like science where we don't know all the nuanced details. But I have family in, uh, in the financial world. I spent 11 years as an insurance broker before doing what I do now. So I think, though, to, to come back around to that question of who do we value now more than uh, who we used to value, we... The guy at the or the guy or the gal at the grocery store, they haven't stopped working. So I, I would put it this way: I think most people would actually uh, they wouldn't answer that question the same way you do until the guy or the gal at the grocery store is no longer there, and the mm-hmm. grocery store is no longer there, and it becomes such a massive inconvenience because people can't get that stuff. Because we we tend to act only when there's real pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? that, and that's the ultimate and that's the ultimate problem. I would, I would say, though, we do need to ask this question now. What would happen if your insurance broker or your investment manager disappeared tomorrow? Well, your investments are still there. They're not contingent on that person showing up at the office. Now, the grocery store, that is contingent on the people showing up there, you know, because it's, uh, it's something you have to eat. It's something that is perishable. It's something that can go away. It is temporary. Whereas our ideas and the way we compartmentalize things like investments and insurance, well, it's like, well, that's that's long term, and that doesn't actually require a human being to be present for that to happen. Yeah, I mean, you know, this but this argument or this observation was certainly relevant, you know, two years ago, three years ago, of five course. years ago. You know, when I would see, you know, it's funny. We all talk about what a big problem trash and pollution is. Mm-hmm. Well, plastics in the ocean the you know pollution trash litter 
and who do we have to to deal with that problem? Well, in a lot of cases, it's essentially prisoners, people who are doing weekend duty for some minor infraction. That's their community service. So that's who we have picking up trash. The next level of actual paid professional, if you will, that's involved in that is at least in our community is like the parks and recreation department because yeah. they handle like kind of roadside cleanup, right? And those guys, I don't know what they, I don't know what they make, but I venture a guess it is not an awful lot, right? So, so that same that that exact same argument has been around, around before COVID ever reared its ugly head, which is, you know, the things we say that are so important, we don't really incentivize the solution to those. In a, in a real way, I mean, I have this, I have this, this dream, you know, that someday the guy. So every once in a while, when I go to get my coffee, I've said this, you know, people mm-hmm. probably already know my coffee habits on a, you know, who've ever listened <laughs> to us before. Somebody wants to find you. Is that I go to doing now? <laughs> yeah, they know. Yeah, they know exactly where they know exactly where to find me. Um, is uh, you know, when I see the guy cleaning up the parking lot at the Dunkin' Donuts, so he's there about once every two or three weeks, I'd say. And I catch him probably every other time. So I probably see him every six weeks or something. But if I see that guy, I always get him a cup of coffee. And I go out and I talk to him and say, hey, man, you're doing the most important work around here. I really appreciate it. Now, is that an empty gesture? I, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's, no, I, don't I like think to think so, that man. it's at least. Well, uh, so, so, you know, and, and my point is I have this vision where, you know, at some point, and I'm sure economists would tell you that the market system would make will make this happen eventually, right? When the problem becomes so, when the problem becomes so inconvenient, the market will turn around and will start to incentivize people to be part of the solution. So that will drive up the rate that we pay people to clean up. I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure that that would that, bear out. It, but yeah. But but I, but I have this vision that someday. You know, picking up trash on the side of the road is, you know, it's going to be a six figure. It's going to be a six figure a year job because it's one of the most important things that we have going on, you know. And instead, we, you know, we pay the bureaucrats who manage them two and three times more than the people who actually do the real work that needs to get done. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I, you know, I don't I'd have to think about that becoming a six figure job there. I do remember years ago hearing that sanitation workers actually make way more than you think they do. Which is good, but it's probably not not near as much as it should be. Like, this, uh, you this know is what? Pretty... I think that's a little bit of urban legend based on. Is it? The, like, yeah, I think that for, especially for you and I, we're relatively close in age, but our generation probably remembers the you know the trash strikes in New York City, which were national news, and as yeah. and as a result, because they were making time and a half and extra time for picking up, and so that all began. That was all revealed. That you know they were doing much better than people thought, but that was all based on overtime. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure they do okay, but again, yeah. you're talking about something different. You're talking about guys who collect the trash off the curb. I'm talking about people who just pick up litter on the side of the road, which is just everywhere. And I, and it yeah. happens. I see it happening all the time. I see people doing that work all the time. But I you know I know that we're not valuing them at the you know at in commensurate with yeah. the importance of the work they're doing. Yeah, you're probably right. So I am actually fact checking us right now as we speak, and so I'm looking at this. Uh, Never website. do that. No, 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 no. It's good. It's really good. Yeah, this will help keep us straight. So payscale.com. I have no idea what this site is first time, Um, but it's looking here. It's got my location. Uh, Let's see. Let's say let's say somebody who's been doing this for five years. Right. Yep. So garbage man in Charlotte, North Carolina. 
Uh, court. Oh, jeez. Come on now. This is one of these things where they're like, anyway, it said 1748. That might be an aggregate number across $17.48 an hour. That might be an aggregate yeah. across the country. Because right now I'm starting to put in, oh, for Charlotte, North Carolina. Then it starts taking me through all these, oh, are you looking for a job? Are you doing this? And I know it's going to get to us. Oh, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. pay yeah. us for a monthly subscription. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get yeah. a pay scale. Yeah. Not happening. I'm on yep. So let's just say, you know, 17. So it, it says here anywhere between 10 and 28 bucks an hour. And, you know, in 2020, uh, that's that's still not very much. Yeah, you're right. You know. No. Okay, but I mean, uh, but again, so take any example. Like, wh- who's essential? Well, obviously, right. the people who provide our food are essential because I can promise you, aside from guys like our friend Andy, not many people out there can provide their own food if push comes to shove. Like the grocery store goes down and people are literally going to starve because they don't sure. have the wherewithal or the skills to figure out how to feed themselves. And, and look, and I consider myself relatively capable of surviving in most situations. I would hope so. You're uh, a Green Beret 22 years, right? 25 yeah, years. Yeah, but you know the deal, you know, I got a I got a I have a shit track record with growing tomatoes. If I had to grow, I mean, I could survive, <laughs> but I probably have I I would probably have um what's the disease that they used to get from just eating rabbit meat uh, and they had no oranges? Um a scurvy. Uh, scurvy. Yeah, I die yeah. of scurvy. Because I'd be eating all wild meat because I could catch that. I mean, right. although, to be honest, my track record with catching squirrels, I told you the whole debacle with the with – the, I was uh, there. I saw it the morning of. You were trying to make that little trap. Oh, to, yeah. Oh, it was really, really yeah. creative. Did it, did it ever succeed? No. No, I never no. caught a single okay. squirrel on that. However, bear in mind, I, I was trying to catch a squirrel alive because my animal-loving wife refused to allow me to just dispatch the squirrels who were a problem – that I could easily solve. I pointed all that. If I was able to use lethal force, I would have abundant squirrel meat, but that would probably be about all I would have because my tomato growing skills are in the toilet or maybe it's just yeah. the soil. But anyway, you mean the but, sand? But, you, know you don't mean? have like, soil. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. No. yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I, I mean, I we, got, we got, a, yeah, we, we got, a, we got a lot of nice compost out there. But um, so, um, so, so, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sweating it too much. If it, mm-hmm. but we're talking survival level situation, right? right? Yeah, yeah. But, Worst case but yeah, you close you close down the grocery stores. You 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 eliminate grocery store workers or anything in that chain that yeah. gets things from the the ground to the table in a modern production society, and and a lot of people are starving. It's yeah. it's absolute mayhem. So there. So you want to talk about who's essential? Everybody in that chain is 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 critical until you know people can learn to you know, dial the clock back and learn to sustain some things for themselves, have enough, you know, have enough for themselves. So that's, so that's, so that's one. Um, and then, you know, uh, and, and then along with sanitation workers, sanitation groceries. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping, you know, um, keeping your, uh, keeping the place clean. Right. And I'm the talk and I'm not just talking about, you know, and I'm going to talk to just taking out the trash, you know, what happens? Look, if a if the toilet goes bad in my house, I can fix it. I am right. absolutely comfortable with every level of plumbing from the faucet to the street. No worries. Yeah. Are, are is every is everybody comfortable with that? Can everybody cut through PVC pipe and glue together? What if you got? You know, can you? Are you capable of soldering 
PVC, uh, soldering copper pipe, I bet a lot of people are. As a matter of fact, I know a lot of people are. Same thing with your electricity. I'm okay with doing everything electrical from the socket down to the street. No, you know, no, no worries. But, but all those things, so all your, you know, all your trades, all your homeowner trades that keep the house running and functioning, like keeps the toilet flushing and keeps the refrigerator working, what happens when you lose those people? Now, mm-hmm. I would tell you that they're compensated pretty good. We value those people pretty well. I mean, they're, 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 they're well paid. So maybe that metric doesn't really work in that example. Um, no, but we need to but be yeah. thinking about these questions. I, th- this, I think the big picture here, Paul, that you're really tapping into is, is that COVID-19 has shed light on how dependent we are as individuals on other people's expertise. Because one big reason is because we've been so focused on this 90 to nothing lifestyle. We're just burning through and like acquiring more shit, you know, that we don't actually want or need. And we don't have time to learn how to do things ourselves because, well, I've got to keep working 90 hours a week and I got to make more money to put into my, you know, whatever so that I can one day retire with a lot of money and be miserable. You know, I'm just totally, you know, uh, exaggerating here. But the point around that is that we haven't taken the time to learn how to do things for ourselves. There's real value in stepping back and saying, you know what, I could pay somebody else to do this, but it would be really valuable for me to learn how to do this myself. Not be, even in the most simple way, um, because that can even transfer over. You learn so much about yourself when you take on a new skill. It connects to other parts of your life. So this idea of what's essential and who's essential I think it's a question we have to continuously ask ourselves because we're realizing whether people are are articulating it this way or not, but just how vulnerable we are, just how dependent we are. So we better get really clear on what really matters, who really matters, you know, in a situation like this. And let's not forget it. Well, think about this, too. Um, you know, when I was growing up and again, this isn't to go, to, you know, to the, the, the generational divide is almost always a red herring. Right. You know, how oh, it yeah. used to be, you know. Yeah. However, you know, growing up, problem solving was all strictly trial and error. There wasn't, you know, if I had a problem, whether it was mechanical or physical or whatever it was, I had to solve, solve that through trial and error. I had to have the courage to take the thing apart that I was trying to fix and understand how I did it and then redo it and, you know, re- you know do it in reverse to, to rebuild it. Now, now you can look anything up. Dude, you can look any process up um, to figure out how, and that's great. I mean, I really appreciate that, and it gives you one step up. But there's something, you know. We're always, you and I are always talking about how um, uh, all the simplicity and convenience and comfort, and and the and the the point of diminishing returns. What's the tipping point on all that, right? Yeah. And in gross terms, we always talk about, you know, the difference between between. Um, comfort and hardship and the things you can learn from hardship. And we've talked a lot about that. Obviously, that's something we want. We, we're going to focus on in the future. We think there's a lot of value in that and bringing that yeah. into people's lives. OK, um, that same tipping point has to do or, or I would think applies to how you learn to problem solve. Right. So at what point does having every possible problem solution laid out to you in an example in an illustrative video, at what point does that become a does that uh, become counterproductive. Mm-hmm. In other words, you'd be much better off just trying to figure out how to solve this thing on your own than going and watching a YouTube video on, on how to solve it. Um, ah, that's all very, that's all a complete bottle that's rocket definitely, without fins. That's definitely a generational thing. You're such an old timer. 
Because I'm thinking, yeah, I oh, mean, man, if I can figure it out on YouTube, I'm going to YouTube. Because if it, because because what's what is the one thing that that we value more than anything, is our time, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'd like to just give a big shout out to all the YouTube DIYers out there and just say listen, thank you on behalf of myself and people that are ten years younger than Paul. Who yeah. Are still listen, stuck the majority of YouTube self help videos can all go straight to hell, and I'll tell you exactly <laughs> why. Because every time you find one of those things, here's the way it pans out. They'll tell you how to solve something up to the problem that they had and it doesn't go on to the problem that you had. So for an example, <laughs> what I'm telling you, man, it's always the same thing. It's like, and, and, then, and then inexplicably, in, beyond my comprehension, beyond my ability to comprehend how this happens, every, almost every single one of them insists on holding their phone in their hand while they do the repair. Like, dude, <laughs> get a camera stand or a human yeah. to hold that thing so I can see what the hell's going on. Like, I don't get it. Like, why would you do that? Like, none of that stuff's helpful. It's You're unbelievable. Low quality stuff. <laughs> oh, my, so my friend Rob, I've talked to you about my friend Rob up in Spokane, yeah. Washington a number of times, right? And him and I kind of grew, we, we, we're the exact same age. We, we grew up together and we were both tinkerers, right? So we were always tinkering with something. Like, it was a, it was a, it was a dark, dark day when Radio Shack went out of business for Rob mm. and I. But nevertheless, um, you know, we both we have both bemoaned the fact that, you know, if you look up a solution on 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 YouTube, invariably, it's like it's like they'll solve some ridiculous problem like, oh, because the filter was missing. So here's the filter. You're like, no, that's the idiot's problem. I know the filter is missing. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this thing like three layers in. How do you remove it? And it's always like they solve the simplest thing. It's like any idiot could have figured that out. I need the complex solution, you know? Right, so yeah, right. so. Well, complexity so is just, not YouTube's realm. So I think, you know, we do have to to, yeah. to go ahead and say there. And I'm glad we Yeah, you can just, you and all, your, and all your accolades for YouTube help videos could just go straight to hell because those guys I've have screwed me. So much. Help me. Oh yeah, I suppose that's true too. But yeah, or it's or it's or it's a piece of equipment that you just can't find. So oh, yeah. so I'm gonna say at this point I am not willing to list the YouTube okay that's not uh, instructors as essential. They're not gotcha. they're not on my list, man. Totally. They're not but on my list. We can draw the connection and say they are people and people are essential. <laughs> so yeah 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 yeah. So but, I mean, so circling back on all this, yeah yeah. Uh, I, what you know, what are you seeing? And, and let's let's maybe talk a little bit about um, uh, the sentiment that you're hearing in conversations. You know, because a lot of people aren't actually talking about this. Yes, you you hear the conversation early on about essential workers and how they need to be paid more. It's like, yeah, absolutely, we need to to rethink how we incentivize, how we pay, base it on how we value things. Um, but just on a on a person-to-person level in your daily conversations, are you guys are you having these conversations? And if so, are they the same, or are they are they different than what we're talking about here? The only thing that I generally hear are people talking about how questioning why aren't teachers essential? Because everybody's mm. very very frustrated about the future of school and how yeah. that's all going to look. We've talked before; it it changes from county to county. I you know in the county to our east is different from what's happening in the county to our west, which is different from what's happening in ours, right? And some appeal to us more, and some appeal to us less. We were just recently decided to have a all virtual school experience for the first six weeks. The county next to us is gonna have two days on, a day off, then another group would come in for two days. So you get two days a week. Anyway, 
so 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 a lot of people are very frustrated about about the future of education and so the question that the, the real conversation that I hear is well why aren't teachers considered essential why aren't we doing everything necessary to give them everything they need to do this effectively get everybody back in the classroom but I think that's more again that's not about identifying teachers as essential in the way that we're talking about who is truly essential that's saying I need them to be essential so that I can get everything back to you know get the classroom back and not to rehash our conversation about education which we've which we've done before right um, but I can't help myself very interesting observation that somebody made which is the uh, a lady who works with me her kids are going back to school two days a week and mm-hmm. she was super excited because the way they're dividing it all up there's only gonna be 15 kids in the classroom. She's like, she's like, are you kidding me? She's like, two days with just 15 kids? They're gonna get more out of that than, than they would in a week with 30. I'm like, that's true. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I'm like, and that, and that goes back to, that goes back to everything we always talk about, which is don't be in such a rush to get back to normal because normal wasn't working out so great. And what has everybody been always talking about? If you ask somebody a year ago about what they thought about education, they would rail about how it needed to be reformed. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, we're on the precipice of being able to reform it. Uh, and here's one of the things that we can do, which is have like a ton less kids in the class by bringing in a few. So that might actually be that it might actually end up working out better. Anyway, to answer your question, which you asked five minutes ago, is I don't really hear people having conversations about who's essential because like you pointed out, which I hadn't really thought about, the essential people are still showing up. Yeah. Like they're still there. So no one really has to no one really they has to worry about them. it too much. Oh no, they can still acknowledge it. So it's this weird, it's this weird tension between we need essential workers, so they gotta be there, but if they're there, then nothing will change about how we value their essentialness. Yeah. No, that's absolutely right. Yeah. I you know, anybody listening to this, I would say if there's one thing you take away from all of this is identify for yourself who's essential for yourself. Right. Not on like, well, we've had this big, you know, intellectual discussion and we've all agreed and arrived that these folks are essential. No, just you on an individual level. Who's essential in your life? You know, who does something for you where if that person was gone, you'd be in a world of hurt. And then uh, start actively uh, showing appreciation. Something I did early on. I need to start doing this again. Again, see, like we're all human. I'm, I did this early on and then have just gotten busy and have taken you know, my grocery, my grocers for, for granted, all the people, mm-hmm. you know, my, my male lady, everybody else. But early on, um, when we were in full lockdown, uh, if I went to the grocery store, I would just say, Hey, I really appreciate what you're doing for us. Really appreciate you're here. You know, just letting people know to say, Hey, I really appreciate that you guys are here. You guys uh, mean a lot because, you know, uh, you would also see other people like, why, why is this taking so long? <laughs> you know, I'm just thinking, oh, seriously. Oh, dude, yeah, so, right. You know, but so there's there's common decency in being polite. But then the other part of it, too, is is I think as individuals, we have to identify who's essential for us at this time, because we need to show appreciation that they're still here. Let's not let's not take them for granted. That's something I have to do um, to be reminded of, because it is uh, it is easy to get back into or to adapt to where we are. And. Yeah, just get back I mean, to forgetting. So yeah, that's that's a really good point. You know, I mean, um, aside from some large economic, philosophical, economist, you know, yeah, who gives debate, a shit what they think right now? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah about you know, what I mean about about incentivizing people with 
you know, through the market and, and how much they make. That's a really good point. Like probably the bigger takeaway is, hey, man, wake up and be decent and respectful and and courteous and kind and appreciative of the people that really matter. Because, you know, I know it doesn't matter to you at all. You know, we don't do a lot of video, but people can't see this. We, we were going to have some cover art on the um, on the uh, on the podcast cover that would reveal this. But for those that, that don't, I know you don't give a shit about going to the barber. However, some of us do. <laughs> and, and, I do and, all my own face grooming. <laughs> yep. Yep. You know, and and and, you know, and I mean, when those people were gone, I was I was, you know, I've been I've been getting a military style haircut for the last 30 some odd years. I don't function well without one. I start, mm. you know, I mean, I, you know, I have no hair to begin with, but I'll be like, I'll tell my wife that I'm starting to look like a member of the mamas and the papas. I'm like, I got to get to the, and she's like, yeah, sure. You bet. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mama Cass. But yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, but, 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 but that's a really good point, you know, and for all the things that we talk about shaping our future and the small things and, you know, and how, how little things aggregate into big change, probably the most important aspect of understanding who is essential is understanding who is essential to you and what do you do about it? Uh, mm-hmm. do, you, do, do, you, do you actually act like they're essential to you or do you take that for granted? Because maybe that in and of itself is significant enough change to really, to, to really start to understand who is essential in your life not necessarily who's essential in, you know, to society, the function of society. Yeah, I mean, because that's what—that's when people take action is when it gets personal. We have to bring, make it personal, right? Um, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I'm, on my list, I would definitely say, I, I, and a lot. Look, a lot of this is—I'll be honest—a lot of this is convenience items that just make my life better. Um, you know, the lady who cuts my hair, right? Um, the folks who, who, the folks at Dunkin' Donuts, I love those people. You you know what I mean? Um, when Christine and I go to get our Starbucks on, on the weekends over at the Harris Teeter, you know, I mean, we know those people by name. They know us, they know us by name. Um, you know, the, the, obviously the folks at the grocery store, um, I do not appreciate the guys who work the gate at Fort Bragg. They, they can all go away as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's Why would they let my me life in a, with you? Oh, <laughs> uh, they're making life, life a living yeah. hell. Um, uh, but you mean like the, the, the people that, that – but those are all – but in the grand scheme of things, those are all um, those are all convenience items. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, like I don't know. Is, is it worth thinking about the fact that I, I – the – the people who are most essential. Obviously, I'm I'm not talking about my immediate family. I, that goes without saying, right? I mean, that's, right, yeah, yeah. That's. But is it is it what does it mean that the most essential people in my life are the people who provide me with comfort and convenience? Do, do you know what I mean? Like it's. Well, you know, let me let you a little off the hook. I know right now, you know, as we're recording this, you're having this existential crisis of saying, well, I mean, the the reality is, I could go get my own food. So do I define that as a set? Yeah, don't go there. <laughs> I mean, you could, but that's like if every system were to shut down and to break down. So we're not going to have the apocalyptic uh, edition. We'll have that one later. So think about right. it this way. Yes, it's a convenience in the way that it saves you time and energy, but it's also a necessity because where the hell else are you going to get your food? Yes, I know you are totally capable, unless it's tomatoes, 
of, of getting food. Like you, you know how to survive. That, nobody's questioning that. I know how to survive. We can make that happen. But when it comes down to actually living and having a life that does continue post-COVID, a new kind of reality that we create right now, these people were essential, are essential, and will be essential. So yeah, no, no, no. Uh, when, some, when there's a supply chain that brings food that we eat so we don't have to starve, you don't have to go out and wonder where's my next meal coming from because that is a real problem. So these people are essential because because they're there, you don't have to wonder if they're going to have food for you to go get at the grocery store. Not yet. Toilet paper. Yeah, but the, that's another that's another question. But food, you know. Yeah, but the people who make who make my Dunkin' Donuts coffee in the morning, I mean, Jesus, I could just make coffee at home. And you know what I mean? Like I was like, uh, again, am I am I overvaluing convenience in my life? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, it certainly certainly no, seems like it. I, I mean, do you just go there for the for the coffee? Don't get Dunkin' Donuts coffee is really good. But it's not the it's not the greatest. Just like Starbucks you is more shut like, your damn mouth. Starbucks is more like yeah. you know just old diarrhea. You know, but it's more Listen, like oh I yeah, it's coffee. good. It's burnt. <laughs> I've had coffee at your house. You're not knocking any of these socks off either. Okay, so, <laughs> that's because so. my wife insists on buying all this fair trade organic stuff. I'm like, it's pretty oh. much cardboard. Once you take yeah, all the chemicals like, out of it, <laughs> so right. So oh so so. Speaking of Dunkin' Donuts, I, I wanted to tell you about this. About Wait, this let's donut. finish this thought, though, oh, yes. make sure that we, we don't just leave this one out there. So let me say this. I do think that even convenience is essential. Why? Because it's part of a larger fabric of community. It's a larger mm-hmm. fabric of who we are as people. You know, not, you know, if we were to just look at it and say, well, it's just, you know, that's a convenience. I'm, I'm prioritizing that. Well, if you viewed everything as transactional, then yes. But if you view it as this is part of what makes a community thrive is you have people that provide things for you and you go there and there's there is transactions taking place. But you get to you. One thing you talk about when you talk about going to Dunkin Donuts is the people that you see on a regular basis. Yep. So to me, it's like you don't really go on and on about, oh, man, and the donuts. Oh, my God. I had this one donut this one time and it just really. Yeah, that's not the conversation. So let me let me let's bring it full circle here. It is essential for you. Now, I, I wonder too. I, I wonder if um, uh, I've always thought of this as a uh, as a Rhode Island thing, right? You know, as that familiarity because I come from such a small state where you know you'd be surprised. Not everybody actually knows everybody, but there is a lot of well, the routine where. So yeah, go yeah. Ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're 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 thinking of Cumberland <laughs> County. So um, so so once again, the Cumberland County Chamber of Commerce. You're welcome. So, 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 uh, when I go, so, you know, I, I use the mobile app every day to order that cup of coffee. And then I went in there today and almost, I almost never do this, but I forgot to hit the finalize the order because I don't do it until I'm, you know, pretty close. And I walked in and the girl was like, Hey Paul, she's like, you know, did you, I don't see your order. And I was like, ah, hold on. I went back out in the car. I was like, ah, and I hit it. But my point in that was. When I walked in, she called me by name. She knew exactly. She's like, "Okay, I'll get it started," you know. And there's and there's tremendous value in that, even though I can't really, I can't really put a fine point on it. Mm-hmm. But I would concede your point that yeah, it's not just about the the, the coffee. It's about the routine. It's about the it's people. About the people. And P.S. By the way, I don't ever eat the donuts there because I am 52 years old and I am trying to you know not turn that's, into complete fat ass. But that's now true. that allows me to segue into the donut thing. Okay, okay. so there is a shop. So we're going to Rhode Island for a vacation. Um, and there is a shop there called Alley's Donuts. Uh, and we've, you know, it's on the way to the beach. 
and it is essentially it's a cash only business. They've been there since 1968, I think. Um, they've been a really long time. And uh, if you if you get there, you get there after 7 a.m. You're waiting outside in a line to get in and get your donuts, right? Um, and so it's been an institution for for generations. Well, yeah. unbeknownst to me, there used to be there. Apparently, there was a discount. It was a 10% discount for military and first responders. I didn't know that. Never gave me a 10% discount. You know, no clue. Um, but recently. Uh, they had a controversy when I guess the second generation owner, so the kid of the people who originally started it, it's probably not too much younger than 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 you are than you are. Um, he posted something, probably on Twitter, that basically said, "Hey, we're not giving away ten percent. You know, we're not going to do the ten. We're not going to honor a ten percent discount for police and military anymore. You know." And it was all tied to Black Lives Matter and all the civil unrest and all this kind of stuff. They were making basically a protest statement. And man, the the state absolutely exploded with, you know, all kind of vitriol for them and how could they. And so I bring all this up because a friend of ours asked Christine, he said, well, because we were talking about we're going to the beach on Saturday and we'll, we'll pick up, you know, and he, he I think he asked Christine, oh, you're going to pick up the Alley's Donuts kind of tongue in cheek. And Christine was like, yeah, yeah, probably. And he said something to the effect of, oh, I'm curious what Paul thinks about this. I was like, I didn't get a chance to tell him, but I hope that I do. Um, because because here's my two cents on it. I took an oath to uphold, the, to defend the Constitution of the United States. Yeah. There was no conditional clause in there that said, I'm going to defend it, except for people who voice their opinion and take advantage of their freedoms in ways that I disagree with or that, you know, that I don't right. like. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. get that luxury. And that's not what I did it for, right? So I'm going to be standing in line for those. You're damn right. I'm gonna say, let me tell you something. If I can, uh, I'll never be able to get it back here in a way that would keep it fresh enough for you to really truly appreciate it, um, how good these donuts actually are. We're going to actually have to make a trip <laughs> up there for it. But yeah, the the idea that it's like, why would I, I don't understand why people, why would you care? Like, I don't care about, like, Chick-fil-A's politics. Chick-fil-A yeah. is very, very open about the fact that they fundamentally do not support gay marriage. Uh, okay, I, I don't care about your politics. I'm, the, I'm just there for the chicken sandwich. And guess what? It's great. And they've always treated me wonderfully. And they treat every human being that goes in there. I don't give a shit what they look like, who they are. They treat everybody with dignity and respect and with customer service that will abs- is the absolute model, right? Yeah. So yeah. I could care less about anybody's politics as it relates to the thing that they're going you know that that they that they're going to give me and and moreover I, I don't i don't have the luxury of judging how you practice the freedoms that i have ostensibly provided for you that's not how mm-hmm. this works you know right yeah so i don't know yeah. if i'm going to get the chance to do that i'm not sure how that ties to essential, who's essential except the people who make those donuts are essential those things <laughs> are legit man. There i'm it telling is. you yeah those things are legit well, so we will I, be in line for Ali's donuts i do think there's a tie in here uh when it comes to people being essential, I think if we step back and take a, and we look at the bigger picture, what's essential are people. Connecting to people is essential for us in every part of our life. There are people who are more essential in times of crisis, like what we're facing right now. Your grocer is more essential than your investment advisor. No offense to all my friends and family who are in the financial institute, institution. Uh, but the reality is, is that the person who picks up your garbage, your mail lady, 
uh, the people that serve us every single day and have not been able to be quarantined and are some of the folks with the highest rates of infection in our country, they are they're heroes for us right now because they are still allowing us to feel some sense of normalcy in the midst of this crisis. So the big message, I think, the big takeaway here is that people are essential. When we allow things like your story about the donuts and the, and the 10% and all that kind of stuff, I, when we allow that to dictate how we treat each other or how we decide um, to interact as a society, then we're losing touch with what is most essential to, to who we are, to what has allowed us to evolve to this point in history, and that is each other. And so, yeah, um, I don't really care what somebody's politics are. I mean, unless they're just on one extreme or the other and they're just complete closed-minded assholes. That's, but, you know, <laughs> they're not essential. <laughs> so I don't care what your politics are. It's like if you're, if, if you're a human being and you want to have a conversation as a human being and we want to connect on things that can help each other out, I mean, that's, that's what we have to get back to. Uh, we have to get back to treating each other and being real, being honest, being human again. And I think that that's everything that we talked about today as uh, sporadic as it is in the way that we have our conversations, which by the way, but listening, that is intentional. Paul and I did not want to have an overly scripted and structured show. We just wanted to talk. And uh, we hope that you'd like to just listen in and talk, <laughs> hear us talking. But that was the purpose is that we just want to be able to have these kinds of conversations. Humans are essential. People are essential. Find the people that are essential in your life and let them know how much you appreciate them. Chances are you might have a different political ideology than them too, but that's not really important when they're providing groceries for you. Yeah, so that's so so I'll I'll make that point and then and then Jared and then Jared will take us out to just reinforce what you just said. Yeah, it's 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 people who are essential. So who are the people that matter to you in your life? How much has this situation opened your eyes to how important they are? And then the biggest question is, what the hell are you going to do about it? You're just going to say, hey, wow, they're important. Or you're going to actually take some small positive action to make that additional connection and help them to understand or let them see how important they are to you, no matter who it is. Whether it's the person who's delivering your coffee, the person getting your groceries, picking up your trash, or whatever it is that thing. You know, it, it could be something real unique to you if you are somebody who depends on you know, a delivery of oxygen from the medical supply place, I bet that person's real important to you. Probably always was, but, you know, are you taking that extra step? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Paul. Well, great way to end the show today. Folks, for those of you listening, if you have not subscribed, be sure to do so. And, of course, leave us a comment. Send us a question. We want to engage. We want to hear from you. Uh, please send this podcast on to anybody you think would enjoy this conversation. I know that's hard to believe. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> if, there's, if there's others out there than just us, the three of us. <laughs> so please do send this along. Uh, be sure to tune in for next week. And thanks again for taking time to, uh, to join us today.